0: angsty teens and early and young adults are stupid like let's just be honest <laughs> yes. like when you are 19 20 21 oh, you geez. are not That's... as smart as you think you are no. you think you know everything you don't know anything yeah, so. <laughs> yeah.
1: You are listening to the We Are Not Safe for Work podcast.
0: Your hosts, Renee and Nadja, will dive into all the different reasons why some entrepreneurs become unemployable. And we're
1: recording. Okay, good. So,
0: how are you, Nadja? I'm doing awesome, Renee. How are you?
1: <laughs> I'm
0: doing really good. Yesterday was my birthday, <laughs> and that was fun. Happy birthday! Thank you,
1: thank you. I'm glad you
0: had a fun birthday though, because it's always it's always good to celebrate yourself.
1: I agree, and it was it was particularly fun. I got some really cool gifts, and um, that is always fun. Honestly, yes, I love love presents. Me too. (laughs) I got a a new keyboard that looks like a typewriter. (gasps) What I know, it's crazy. I'll have to show it to you later. I would show it to you now, but the packaging will be very noisy.
0: Oh, okay. So it's funny that you say that because the other day I was talking to my brother um, on on Bluetooth in my car. Mm -hmm. And he was asking about something specific to work. And so I was telling him, okay, this is what you need to look up. This is what you need to – these are the steps that you need to take to do X, Y, and Z. And my husband was in the car with me, and he could hear the typing, and he's like, is your brother typing on a typewriter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it wasn't. It's just the keyboard he has is the mechanical one because mm-hmm. he likes the tactile feedback. And Me I'm like, too. personally, I love that too. Like, I like being able to press and feeling that the keys mm-hmm. are being pressed and that there's a sound when you press the keys. Yeah, I'm very old school in that regard, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually have... I think I can officially say that I now am collecting mechanical keyboards, I'm <laughs> building a really, no-, no, I mean like, seriously, that's why I got one for my birthday. I've been building a collection for Christmas. I got four mechanical keyboards and um, I just rotate through them. It's just really fun. I feel like it's a, it's a fun way to, I don't know, spruce up the work experience. Yeah. And um, keep it kind of interesting And then like if I'm feeling bored or kind of bummed, I can switch out my keyboard and it's, they're bright and colorful and have bright lights and some of
0: them don't. And
1: I don't know. It's just, it's just a thing because there's not a lot to it. You know, when you work from home, there's not a lot going on really. So
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think maybe that's something I should do. I mean, I've got, I've got a keyboard. I have an external keyboard, but it's, Mm -hmm. you know, the really boring, like it's the Apple one you can see. Yeah, but and that's a it does have the number pad.
1: Yeah, and that's nice. That's really cool. Um, and that's a really nice keyboard, but it's kind of boring. The same thing everybody else has, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I've really come to like them, and sometimes I I even get to the point where I'll watch YouTube videos that are about people building custom keyboards just to see the experience (laughs) of what. You know different keyboards offer and I like the sound and um yeah yeah so there you go I guess that's a
0: little I was gonna say that's a little more extreme than I would go but um yeah I can I can understand why you would do that
1: well yeah I mean it's it's interesting um so there you go so (laughs) now that we're on the mic let's go way back in time for you and I um
0: And talk about your trip to California. (laughs) That's my uh, going back in time sound effect. Yes. You're welcome, guys. (laughs) Okay. um, Yeah. So I attended a, it was a leadership retreat um, in California. It was in Palm Springs Desert. Um, It was amazing. It was a very intimate um, retreat. There were like 20 attendees, which was, I mean, you know, yeah, it's a small group, group, but it's also like, that's a lot of people to interact with, um, one-on-one, like in person every day for like four days. (laughs)
1: Oh, okay. Hold on. Is, Is it okay if I interrupt with questions?
0: Absolutely. Go ahead. Okay.
1: First of all, I hear about Palm Springs all the time and I absolutely know nothing about it. So it's in the desert.
0: Yes, it is. So, so then why do people want to go to the desert so bad? What's up with that? Um, that's a really great question. I don't know. Um, it's, I mean, I thought driving out to it. So Palm Springs slash Palm Desert, they're actually two two different cities. Like Palm Springs is first and then Palm Desert is right after it. Okay. Uh, it's It's about 90 minutes outside of Los Angeles driving so um I flew into LAX and then I drove out to the retreat center I will say the drive out there was actually really pretty really even though it was in the middle of the desert it's got it's Mm -hmm. got mountains you know so you've got like this backdrop of mountains and I saw literal tumbleweeds crossing the highway yeah which is
1: Texas or something
0: Yes, so it's crazy because here in Texas, I've seen tumbleweeds before, like driving mm-hmm. up to Lubbock because I went to I went to college in Lubbock. So, like the further into the Panhandle you go, the more likely you are to actually encounter tumbleweeds. But right. the tumbleweeds were small, so it was like you run over them and you kind of wonder, like, oh, I wonder if it punctured my tire, but it's not a big deal, right? right. The tumbleweeds that came across the highway uh, in California, they were big. Um, and big enough that I was kind of concerned about hitting them. Oh because, okay, because tumbleweeds are essentially um, tangled up thorns. Like it's a tangled up string of thorns. right, right. That, that's what it is. And so they were quite large, but you know, they were also sweeping across the highway pretty fast because mm. um, it was windy. So not only did you see tumbleweeds, you also saw sand. Like crossing the highway like water. So it was being blown across the highway, wow. and the cars, That's like, interesting. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It really was, but it, it's quite different than Houston. Very different to Houston, very different yeah. to Texas in general. Like, basically, yeah. what we were driving through was what I had envisioned Texas would have looked like before um. moving out here. So when somebody told me, oh, like, if somebody says Texas, the yeah. picture in my head was, you know, sand everywhere, tumbleweeds, and that's actually what I experienced out in California, interestingly enough.
1: <laughs> that's funny.
0: Yeah. Okay. But it, so... is, it is very pretty out there, I will say. Even though it is the desert, it's, it's yeah, quite a stunning backdrop to have, like, gotcha. the mountains behind all of the, the desert sand dunes and stuff like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So there was about twenty people there. What was this? Conf- who sponsored the conference? Uh,
0: so Sean Quintero is a uh, is a friend of mine, and mm. he was hosting a leadership retreat um, okay. for people in different industries. Like it wasn't a specific industry, but the the whole point of the retreat was um, speaking about leadership and abundance. Um, And so the speakers that were there were all um, specific to like digital marketing. We had um, somebody that specialized in branding. Um, There was a speaker that talked about emotional intelligence and why it's important for your business. And then I was part of, um, it was kind of like a hot seat panel. So, um, you know, basically I got to talk about my business um, for a set amount of time. And then we got to, the audience got to ask questions about like my offer, kind of break it down and pull it apart and really give me, um, great feedback on like what to keep, what to change, what works, what doesn't work, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of fun because I was able to represent like the working mothers, the working parents, um, of the entrepreneurial space since a lot of people that see massive success very, very quickly, they're either um, single or they're a couple that have no children or, I mean, really that's what it comes down to, right? Like it's, it's not very common to hear about the success stories of parents who are still working and have small kids and are juggling all of that. So I was very fortunate to be able to kind of talk about my experience of when I was still working full time um, in corporate healthcare while my kids were still young. They were toddlers, you know, two and four years old, trying to juggle that and building my business at the same time. It was um, it was refreshing for me, and hopefully for the audience too, uh, to be able to talk about like that experience and give that point of view and how how much more difficult it is. But at the same time, I mean, I guess it's the double-edged sword or it's, it's the twofold perspective. Like it was really difficult, but it was also in a way easier because I knew the importance of batching and like being very intentional with the time that I had because I had I had to divide it between so many different things.
1: Right. I think that's a good point. I think my biggest current challenge is that I have gotten too relaxed with my time. Because when I first started entrepreneurship, I still had a a kid at home, a teenager, but still. And um, so I did have to work because I was a very highly active parent. I had to work when she was at school. And now I have all of this time that I can work or not work or just think about working. So, that's a really interesting point. Sometimes the the things that feel like limitations actually enhance the situation.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think I think it's interesting that you're saying you feel like you have too much time because isn't that isn't that the reason why you started this whole thing anyway, in order to have too much time so that you can choose what to do with the time that you have and when, like you decide when you work, when you're not going to work. Um, so I'm, I'm just curious to have you kind of dive a little bit deeper about why you think that might be more of a hindrance right now. Well, let me explain. I I think It's, it's, um, what is the,
1: is it Parkinson's law? What is it? The law that a task will expand to the time allotted.
0: Sure. I I can't remember, but I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. I can't remember either.
1: Um, I think in my case, I have true freedom at this stage of time. Uh I can go to bed when I want. I can wake up when I want. I can work when I want. I mean, I have some parameters because I have a team. Right. But even that is loose, loosely defined because they're mostly self-sustaining. Um, But there's still a lot of work to do for me, but I can do it whenever I want to do it. So therefore, and it can take as long as it needs to take. So I have gotten too relaxed um, with achieving goals or when I should do it. And I spend a lot of time thinking about, oh, I should go do that. For example, Andy and I get up every morning and we have coffee time. It's very important to us. And we don't have a limitation on how long that lasts. We have an idea of how long it should last. It should only last about 30 minutes. On average, it lasts about two hours, right? Okay. So um, I could have accomplished a lot more for the work to grow the business further and more profitable if I had used the an hour and a half of that time for work. But instead I used it for leisure, which to your point is good but when you have a year like we're having, it's not particularly good. I should be more focused on getting more done. But everything takes a long time. So, therefore, sometimes the motivation is harder to get the gumption. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I know it sounds weird, but I think it would be nice to have some more um, parameters
0: in my day. Yeah. 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 It's just – it's so interesting that um, – I mean – We talk about it all the time how priorities shift. Like our priorities change almost daily, if not by the minute, right? Like what we place emphasis on changes Mm -hmm. depending on the situation that you're in. And so um, like, I mean, we could, we could get really philosophical and be like, does work even matter? Like does any, anything that we do even matter if at the end of the day, like everything is made up, (laughs) you know, like like currency is a made up thing. Time is a made-up thing. Like, work is a made-up thing. So if we're enjoying ourselves in the moment of what we're doing, isn't that what life should be all about? But at the same time, you, you still need to work so that you can earn the made-up money to pay for the things that have been made up to be important. <laughs> like,
1: I know. And it's funny you say that because, man, we're getting so far off base of California. But I know. Um, <laughs> I realize that money is the strange thing now because, and I just mean money in itself. I don't mean how much we're making. Mm-hmm. We're having a terrible year. I've been pretty transparent about that, but I rarely actually touch money. Right. It's such a strange mm-hmm. thing. I, I, everything I do is invisible. If the electricity goes off, so does my business. Right. Yeah. I don't have anything tangible in my life. I mean, as far as money goes, right. Because I make intangible, I I build an intangible thing that is only exists in the cloud computer world.
0: And then I get
1: paid through PayPal that I then transfer to my bank account. And all of my bills are auto drafted from there or pay, you know, or I pay them electronically.
0: Yeah. Everything you have is
1: is. ones and (laughs) zeros. Exactly. Everything. And so it's so strange to think well, why don't I have enough one or zeros? Or maybe I can have this thing. Like I went to um, a couple of weeks ago, I went to the casino in Oklahoma and um, I got some actual cash. I couldn't remember the last time I had cash in my hand. It was oh, a strange wow. feeling, having, you know, money. Yeah. Um, because money, I don't know what it's like for you, but money just doesn't have a feel anymore. It's like a strange yeah. thing. I just move around in the clouds. It's very odd.
0: Yeah. Well, so for us, money like paper money or physical money is still something that we deal with pretty frequently because of the kids, you know, Ah. like even though the school systems have um, shockingly uh, moved forward technologically with the times and things like that, Mm -hmm. um, in that, you know, for lunch money, you have an account that you can put you you can transfer right. money into and then they just they have like their ID their ID is associated with it that's what they use to pay um but there are times where you know like they want snacks and stuff like that and mm-hmm. if they don't have enough left over inside of their lunch account because we have designated this is how often you're going to be buying your lunch they can bring cash to pay for things like that. Okay. Now, the pandemic did change a lot of that. Um, I think that's kind of part of the sudden push towards, like, cashless, meaning you load money into your kid's account and everything is associated with their student ID. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, And because even, like, the – oh, what is it? Like, the dues for the PTO and things like that, those – for the most part, you can do that electronically, but they will still accept cash. And when they have events at school, you know, um, they, they try to, once again, have you preload money into your kid's account. But, you know, if you, if you're attending a school event and they have, um, they're selling popcorn or popsicles or whatever there, right. Like they're not going to be like, oh yeah, we can swipe your card. They're going to accept cash so right. we actually still deal with cash quite a lot in our family just because of the kids being in school and right yeah, yeah see, I
1: think that's so it big... is very different <laughs> it really is and I think another thing though too for me is you still have clients right yes and since I don't have clients anymore and I haven't for a few years it it's a different shift in mindset too mm, i think mm-hmm. on top of the making all of my money electronic it's the fact that there's no client involved there's no service there's it's just maintaining content you know so yeah it, i think it is a little bit different as well i don't know it, money feels different that's, that's all I can yeah. say. yeah so okay so you were representing um the parent did anything yes, you said about all of that surprise people
0: um, yeah, I mean, I, so that that was the other great thing about it being kind of a smaller event is that um, it was encouraged to have meaningful conversations with the other mm-hmm. attendees. So um, the goal every day was to have a like actual meaningful conversation with someone you hadn't spoken to before. And I attended this event not knowing anyone except for the host. Like he was the only person that I knew. So it it was one of those situations where I just kind of like jumped in with both feet and I was like, you know what? Yeah. Let me, let me attend. Let me go. Let me see what, where this might take me. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you had asked me to attend an event where I only knew one person, and it was the host who you knew would be very busy the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um if you would ask me that like 5 years ago, I would have been like, can I bring a friend?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can I
0: can I bring someone with me? Like that would have made me incredibly uncomfortable. But no, this time it was just it was such an easy like, yeah, let's see where this goes. And I think a lot of that has to do with um entrepreneurship forces you to be very intentional with the conversations that you have. Mm-hmm. So um, because every conversation you have is a potential opportunity. And I'm not saying that every conversation I have in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about how I'm going to pitch the person I'm speaking to. I just mean, you know, well, let's let's have a meaningful conversation. Like what what can I learn from you? What can you learn from me? Whether mm-hmm. it's business related or personal, you know, whatever it may be, like the intent is, can I make a connection with another human being? And once again, I think the pandemic is something that really helped push that along because we we got locked down into this box where you couldn't physically see other people. Mm-hmm. Like you could connect with them online and, you know, like what we're doing right now, like I can see you. Yeah. Nobody else can see. Like, we can see. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we can we can see yeah. each other as we're having this conversation. But, like, this kind of interaction is very different from, like, our in-person interactions. You know? Like, it's it's still the same, but it's different. And so right. being more intentional with I have somebody standing in front of me. Like, they are physically here. Like, I can reach out and I can touch them. Like, that's a very different approach and energy. Um, Mm -hmm. And once again, it was, it was very much a conversation, like every conversation was like, what can I learn from you? What can you learn from me? Like, how can, how can we make this interaction meaningful? And I I think there's something really special about that um, in terms of what you learn to do when you jump into entrepreneurship, because in, in a corporate setting or in an office setting, like my default was always, how can I hide? Like, how can I get away from having to talk to other people that I don't have to talk to?
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I think you bring up something important. I think we need to redefine what opportunity means.
0: Yes, yeah. Because
1: if you're not learning in today's world, if you're not learning, then you are stagnant. Because everything Absolutely. is constant change and we need to understand that learning is an opportunity of itself too.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah. you
1: can learn from conversations and from one another. And right. so it's not just about pitching. Pitching is the last resort, right? Absolutely, yes. But, yes. Um, but opportunity is what we see, what we how we react, what we do yep. with the information that comes to us. Because mm-hmm. ideas come from conversation,
0: you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's, um, that, that's my biggest takeaway from, you know, once again, jumping in with both feet, not really knowing, because I didn't really know what the structure of the retreat was either. I didn't, I didn't know what was going to go into it. All I knew was, um, there were going to be speakers there and I've attended, you know, retreats and conference, I've Mm -hmm. attended retreats and conferences before. So I, I have an idea of what most of them are like. But I loved how different this was because instead of spending, you know, six hours a day like learning lecture style where somebody stands in front with a slideshow or a presentation and then, Mm -hmm. you know, they're talking at the people, um, there was like – there was very short um, presentations like that but Mm – long sessions of time where it was like okay now go go out and implement or go out and have a conversation go relax like free your mind I mean not free your mind but you know like do do something fun like this is all about play and giving your brain a separation from being a business owner you know like yes the opportunities are here but maybe if you have a little bit of fun you'll have more ideas, you know, more ideas can flood in because you're not worried about the next thing you have to do for your business. Now it's just, oh, well, I'm surrounded by other people who understand what it's like to be a business owner. Like they understand the things that we worry about, the things that we, um, that keep us up at night, you know, the things that we find I don't know importance in celebrating because they're very different from what other people want to celebrate or what what keeps other people up at night, you know. Right. So, um, I, the yeah. So the biggest takeaway from the conference was, um, being intentional and having meaningful conversations. And I really think that you know just being immersed in that for for um, four days was it four yeah. days because it was Monday through Thursday. Yeah. So being immersed in that for four days. Um, it was a great start to the practice of just having conversations, not with the intent of pitching, not with Mm -hmm. the intent of selling something, but you know, with the intent of, well, what can I learn from you? What can you learn from me? And, um, that kind of catapulted all the conversations I've had since then. So like you said, this, this was back in June, So it's been over a month. It's been almost two months now because it was the beginning of June Mm -hmm. and just in that short amount of time. So within a month, I have had so many conversations that have opened doors that I would never have considered before um, just because we were talking, you know, like I was curious about what they did, or I was curious about something that they said, and I ask questions, and then they ask me questions, and the next thing we know, it's like, oh, like, this could, this could be a really good potential opportunity to work together, or, you know, like, I have something that can help you, and then all of a sudden, it turns into, okay, well, how can, how can we work together, or I know someone that can help you with X, Y, and Z, and now I'm connecting people, you know, like, it, and That is almost more satisfying than having a conversation with someone and then finding out, oh yeah, you could, you could potentially be a client of mine because we can help you with X, Y, and Z. The, the connecting people was the most fun part. Like, oh, I'd love to introduce you to this person, or I'd love to Mm -hmm. introduce you to this company because I think you guys would really mesh or there, there could be a really great opportunity between like you two or, or whatever it may be like. Making those connections was the most fun part out of everything that yeah. um, that has yeah. occurred in the past month. yeah,
1: yeah. that's interesting. So, do you have any specific like something that you walked away
0: that you changed? Oh, Be my honest. gosh, so many things, so yeah. many things. Okay. Like do you have the time? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Uh, well uh, I mean like part the biggest thing that I walked away um, was we revamped our offering like we became very specific about um, the industry that we're going to work with because um, right now we've kind of had a hodgepodge of Clients, you know, we had clients mm-hmm. in the healthcare industry, we have um online businesses, we have online startups, we have wellness startups, we have um coaches, we have gym owners, like the that's how diverse our client pool has been so far. Um yeah. and then we uh, because of the conversations that I had, we made the decision to just like kind of go all in on healthcare just be or wellness and healthcare because i have so much background in that industry and my networks are in that industry so like why not utilize the network that i've already built out to help to help them but then also to help grow our business and so um yeah that was the the biggest thing was getting really specific about um, who our ideal client is and they are private practice owners who are not affiliated with hospitals. Um, You know, they want to remain independent. They want to remain private practices. They want to um, be privately owned. And the reason for that is because with um, insurance or reimbursements changing, um, a lot of the, Groups that are contracted with insurance companies, they're they're not getting reimbursed at the rate that they used to. It, basically, yeah. the insurance companies. I mean, I could get on my soapbox about this, but insurance to me is um, it. It's a it's a terrible business for consumers, because they are not acting in the best interest of the patient. They are acting in the best interest of their shareholders, bottom line, and profit margins, like that's all they care about. So the fact that insurance, health insurance is such a big business, Mm -hmm. like, to me, that's wrong. Like, it shouldn't be that way, because people are missing out on life saving um, treatment. Because somebody that is reading a script that has no medical background has gone through the yes and no prompts and said, oh, well, it's not medically necessary. So the insurance company will not cover that treatment plan or whatever, even though it was a freaking doctor who said this person needs this treatment plan. So once again, it's the person behind the screen going through a series of yes or no you know, flow charts mm-hmm. that's deciding if this person will be able to get whatever treatment it is their doctor has recommended. And I think that's just wrong. But um, yeah, I think it's important for these private practices to continue to thrive and survive because mm-hmm. they are the ones that are causing competition in the industry because it gives people options. So if yeah. If the insurance company is not going to cover it, they can. They have the option of going to a private practice clinic that will probably just do cash only. And sometimes the, those cash prices – I mean, it's called cash, but you know what I mean. Like I the, um, the self-pay. Self-pay prices yeah. end mm-hmm. up being cheaper than going through insurance that you pay for every single month anyway. So – It's it's a big racket. Like I just, I get really worked up about that because I'm just like,
1: (laughs) oh, bring them down. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole, but um, because there's so much there, but there have been literal tears in my household today because of insurance companies. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So I am, we are, we will transition back to that after this call because here in the house, because we're dealing with these things right now. So yeah, I think it, I think getting. that would
0: be a it could be a completely separate um episode like just oh. talking about insurance um as entrepreneurs because that's the other thing. Oh. I am very fortunate that um you know my husband has a uh like through the company that he works for because he still has a mm-hmm. full-time job um our health insurance is through his company um because right, so we looked fortunate yeah, we looked into, um, health insurance for self-employed or for mm-hmm. companies that like providing company, my company paying yes. for health insurance for our staff. And it's, it's just like, what, like, these are the premiums, but this is the coverage. It makes oh, no sense. No it's sense. It's so at
1: all. bad. It's so, yeah. so bad. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now we're dealing with it because, um, Andy had a client, I'll just give a, and then we'll go right past it because it's just too much. But Andy had a client for years that the payroll processing company offered us healthcare and it was very Mm -hmm. good healthcare and the client merged with another company and no longer need her. So she no longer has that payroll company. So we went on Cobra and we paid many, many thousands of dollars. Cobra. Yep. And they won't give us our care. So now we're in between where we all, where we each need some medication. That's very expensive,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: we, they're saying we're not covered, but they keep pulling thousands a month out of our account. And it's so bad that she actually today called, um I forget some government official, like some kind of government assistance program. That's like a, watchdog thing
0: uh-huh and
1: they're helping us try to fight through this because yeah. we've already they've taken thousands from us
0: and then and refusing... Ca- yeah, refusing
1: yeah refusing care and so Oof.
0: um yeah it's it's a very Oof.
1: frustrating thing
0: and yeah well may- that. maybe that's going to be the next the next thing maybe. That we record because it's and very... maybe i'll
1: have some ideas of what to do because we're still yeah. fighting through it and i forget who she called let me see
0: it's like an advocacy group, right?
1: Yeah, some kind of advocacy group. Um, yeah, U.S. Department of Labor. Uh
0: huh. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yep. And um, they're they're being apparently they're being really helpful to her today. I don't know. She's dealing with all of that while I'm here. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I can. I can. We would have been better served just to pay cash, like you yep. said. You know. Yeah. But now we're in this loop where we've given them. Because they wanted back pay, forward pay, all this stuff. And then they put us on an auto draft. So now they're auto drafting and still not covering us. So Mm -mm.
0: it's crazy. Nope. Yeah. Um, Have you heard of, um, I think it's called Cost Plus. Hang on. Let me look it up. Okay. Yeah. It's called um, Cost Plus drugs. Um, Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah. So it's Mark Cuban from Shark Tank. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So he he has partnered with uh, like a pharmaceutical company that they basically make generic versions of a lot of common drugs. Mm -hmm. And so it's no insurance. It's all low prices. So if you are able to Get by with like the generic version of right. whatever, yeah, whatever medication you need. Unfortunately, you can, you can get there. some of
1: the, some of the medications that Andy takes, uh, the generics just don't work for her.
0: Yeah. Well, and yeah. and that's the other thing um, that can be a whole other uh, episode oh, yeah. too, like talking about the pharmaceutical companies and things like that. Because once again, you know, background in healthcare, I have a lot of experience in that from, you know, just the administrative side, but also from a cons- consumer side because, um, mm-hmm. you know, of the the medical ailments that my husband has. Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. we have dealt with the insurance with what he has to deal with and it's oh it's enough to like make your blood boil it it makes us want to leave the country oh we won't
1: yeah like (laughs) i said i mean yeah no we yes we should make a a new episode about this because especially once we get past this then i will have Mm -hmm. more information that i could share and then you could share a lot because you have a lot more than i do
0: but oh and we're, then we're and then I can right talk now. about camp in the in that episode yes. too. So that's yes. something to it's like a teaser for everyone. So you right, gotta stay right. tuned so you can hear all about camp. Um and you know, all the things that Renee has gone through, all the things that we have gone through. <laughs>
1: and I've also learned that it's all significantly different depending on the state you live in too.
0: hmm It sure is, yeah. Yeah. Which so is stupid,
1: but whatever. Yeah, that is stupid, but there we <laughs> <they> are. <laughs>
0: So back to communications.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um you talked about being a parent and an entrepreneur. Yes. Did people have a lot of questions for you about that? Like are there people they, that are considering having children that are entrepreneurs? Yeah. So group? it
0: was actually um so I was I was one of the I guess like the the middle, I was the, the middle where my kids are school aged, but they're mm. they're not teenagers or adults and they're not babies and toddlers. So, um, a lot of the people that I spoke with, either they had grown kids. So Mm their, their children are out of the house, they're adults, and they've just now started their businesses. So, you know, they, once again, yes, they went through the experience of raising kids, but they did not have the raising kids while building a business experience. Um, and then we had the other side of the spectrum where, um, they're, they're single or they have no kids um, or they're thinking about potentially, you know, oh, well maybe we'll start our family soon. And so um, it, it was kind of like the, you know, it was the whole spectrum of. was uh, so interesting. Yeah. And the questions that were asked were some of them were, you know, what I expected, like how do you batch your time? How do you hmm. um, make sure that you balance your you know, your family time with work time and all that kind of stuff. And honestly, um, my answers for that always, I mean, it it sounds like such a cop out, but it's so true. Like it depends on your family. So yeah. like for us, from what works for my family may not work for other families, but you need to have open communication with your partner and your kids. Um to be able to figure out like what's going to work for you guys. So, like my kids, they understand that after they go to sleep, sometimes I will I will pick up on work like if I'm falling a little behind or if I have some ideas, mm-hmm. like I'll I'll continue working and then, you know, so we have that conversation with the kids that I try very hard not to work when they're home. So, when they're at school, oh. I get The bulk of my work done while they're out of the house because they're involved in so many activities like after school activities that I don't really have the luxury of, oh, well, I'll just do it when they get home from school. No, because I'm driving them to places. And then when I drive them to places, I am there while they're doing whatever activity it is. And depending on what it is, sometimes, you know, I am an active um, spectator. Like Mm -hmm. I am there to cheer them on or, you know, like give them kudos or whatever. Um, And then other times they go into a building, parents can't be in there or whatever, and I'm just sitting um, in my car or I'm waiting in the lobby. And in those times, sure, I can whip out my laptop and I can, you know, do very simple things like catch up on email or whatever it may be, but it, you can't, you can't do intense work during that time. Deep work. So yeah. Yes. So I have to be very um structured with mm-hmm. when I do what work. And that works for me and my family, but other other families that may not work well for them. Like the only time they can work is going to be when the kids are not in the house at all or you know they're they're at school like that's the only time. So um, and my husband is very flexible with all of that. like he understands because that's the other thing too. Like I'm just bouncing about and ideas and stuff like that. No, no, so no that's no. the it's other good thing
1: stuff though.
0: Yeah, like, um, my husband is very supportive. He's incredibly supportive of everything that I do, which mm-hmm. I appreciate more than he probably will ever know. Um, but he understands that sometimes I'm going to need to get work done. Um, during the time that we'll usually spend like catching up on what Mm. his day at work was like or whatever. But the thing is, I don't do it all the time. So I make a point to promise, it's a promise to myself and a promise to him and our relationship that, um, you know, when we're together, it's not, we're just sitting next to each other on the couch while I'm getting work done and he's watching TV. Like there's going to be, um dedicated times that we we sit there and we catch up on mm-hmm. what each mm-hmm. other has done during the day, you know because that's our time together and that's after the kids have gone to sleep. Um, but then there are going to be times and I'll tell him in advance like, hey I, I really need to get, you know, I've got a deadline, I've got to get this stuff done so um, like I'll I'm gonna catch up on work, but we're still like within the vicinity of each other, but it right. doesn't happen all the time. so, yeah. We try really hard to balance that out because his work is also um, very demanding. You know, he he's out of town a lot and right. um, he's on – or he's on gigs where he comes home really late. And so um, those are the times that I try to take advantage of, oh, I can catch up on work because he's he won't be home until 11 or, um, you know, he's spending the night downtown because he won't get done until 1 o'clock in the morning. And, and what is does he rather do again? He,
1: He's a lighting designer. I know, but
0: just so everybody (laughs) knows. Yeah. Yes. So he is a lighting designer. He programs lighting for um, like conferences, music festivals, uh, corporate events, things like that. Yeah. So I think his job is really cool, but he's like, I think his job is cool too. Um, (laughs) Right?
1: Yeah. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to get some context in there for that.
0: Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think... I also think it's interesting that you guys have good communication about that because I know that there's a lot of people that start entrepreneurship um, or a side hustle and they struggle between their with them and their spouse about how to manage time, mm-hmm. and I know that can be an issue. So I think anytime people can hear how when you first started entrepreneurship, was it a struggle between you and Lance or oh
0: my from the goodness. Beginning, So from the beginning, we had set communications about, you know, how this was going to look because when I was working in corporate, I was, I mean, I wasn't told that I was on call 24 seven, but like what I did, essentially that's what it was. So if like servers went down in the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning, if I could not remote into it, um, then I had to go into the office or, you know, if, if something would happen where the power would go out at the facility or whatever, um, then I would need to come in no matter what time it was, because I needed to make sure that like the MRI machine, especially was not going to quench its helium because when it overheats, it releases. I have no idea what that
1: means, but it It sounds bad.
0: Yeah, it it is. It's bad in that, um, you know, MRI machines, they use helium to stay cool. So MRIs are big magnets that take images. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so the helium, if it quenches the helium, it means it's releasing it so that it can keep the machine cool so it can shut down. When the power goes out and you don't have enough, um, like, backup. So we we had, like, built-in UPSs. I mean, like, the UPSs, the – the, the backup generators were huge. It was like the size yeah. of a room. Um, right. So there was enough power to be able to like shut things down properly where it, it did not release the helium because at the time, I mean, there still is a helium shortage, but at the time um, with the helium shortage going on, it was going to cost like half a million dollars to replenish Whoa. the helium. So you did not want that helium quench you wanted to make sure that it was shut down correctly gotcha but because of that so i i mean i would go into work early i would leave late i'd be called in in the middle of the night i would work weekends like i was always working and i chose to do that like that wasn't Mm -hmm. something that you know that i was i was told you have to do this I'm like, it made it easier for me during my workday if I could just take care of it, right? So right. when we when we had kids, it became more difficult because if he was out of town and something happened overnight, I mean, I was calling security. I was calling security, telling them, hey, I have to come into the building. Can you meet me at the office? They would show up. Um, they would walk in with me and my sleeping children. I would put them in cots that I had inside of my office so that I could go take care of work. So um, basically what it turned into was a conversation of you already have no time. How are you going to work on a side business? Like what is being sacrificed in order to do this? And so – from the beginning we had conversations about it because you know we i, I really didn't have much time already <laughs> mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. and i wasn't going to sacrifice like sleep and things like that but um yeah so from the beginning it was it it was a conversation that we had very early on um because he was concerned about my mental well-being you know he was like right. i don't want you working 20 hours a day and you only sleep you know, four hours and you have like the kids to worry about, um, and regular work and then your side hustle, like how, how is this going to affect you mentally? Like that can't be good for you. You can't sustain that. So, um, yeah, the conversations were had very early on and, you know, it was, it was an intentional, Oh, I'll, I'll work on my, on my business after hours, like one or two hours. Um, Nothing longer, you know, just yeah, just very, very um small pockets of time that I could find. And then I'd I'd work on my lunch break too. So during my lunch break, I'd work on my side business stuff. Uh Um but I was also in a very unique position um where the owner of the company that I worked for and the director of the company, um, they were all very entrepreneurial. So they encouraged entrepreneurship. They, um, I, I, I love telling people a story of um, how he always had a state of the union. So he would have a state of the union meeting with the entire staff like twice a year. He would shut yeah. down the office early and he would like buy everybody lunch. And um, it would just be like an update of this is what the Um, medical environment looks like in this country for the next six Mm -hmm. months. Um, This is how it could potentially affect us. This is how it's affecting us now. So we were included in a lot of those big picture um, discussions that usually owners don't include, you know, the, the little people. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's basically what we I were, know. right? Like know. we were just a little yeah. worker bees and, um, and he would always remind us that our positions there in, in the facility, it should be a lily pad. Like we shouldn't be in the same position for years. Like he, you know, he was like, don't stay stagnant. Like you should be using this as a lily pad to something better. So grow, learn become better at what you're doing, like become really good at whatever your title is and then turn that into something else. Like use that as the lily pad to hop onto a bigger lily pad that will give you bigger opportunities. So they were they were incredibly encouraging of that kind of stuff. So that's not common in corporate at all. No, it's
1: not. I think the entrepreneurial um, ideas and just concepts really translate well to corporate life because mm-hmm. the average job, the average person only keeps a job for 18 months these days. Right. So yeah. Um, you're, you have to treat your job with forward thinking.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think that people need to really consider that. Yeah. And
0: so I, and think, so that's I think that's part of. Go ahead. Oh, see, now we're talking. <laughs> yeah. No, I was i was just going to say, um, I think that's also part of why um, the retention at that facility was pretty high um, yeah. in terms of staff. Like the staff stuck around for years and years and years. So I was an employee for eight years there. Um, the director see, had, yeah. yeah, the director had been there like, 15 years or longer at that point. Um, you know, the, the radiologists have all been working there for, I, I mean, now it's cause it started in like 1998. So you're talking like 20 years, 20 plus years. Wow. Working with the same company. That's a long time. That is a long like, time. That's the kind of stuff that you don't hear. I mean, you make no. it five years and people are like, Whoa, you've been there forever. I know but, I know. yeah yeah we had we had a lot of people that were double digits, you know working at that company and and I think it was because of the support of, yeah, be better, become better. like you have this position, yes, but you can always be better at it. like we will help you um, with courses and if you want to take classes to to get more certifications or whatever. like they were very encouraging of that kind of stuff. That's awesome. Do you think, going
1: back to the communication with Lance, your husband, do you think that y'all's communication about you starting entrepreneurship were so good because you're um, high school sweethearts? Like, do you think y'all worked on your communication for so long that you were good about it? Or do you think it's just your personalities?
0: You know, that's a great question because I've never really thought about it. I mean, I guess considering we essentially grew up together and long distance is hard to begin with, like with a long distance relationship, because he went to UT Austin and I was in, I was at Texas Tech in Lubbock. Um, Like communication is kind of like pivotal to the success of a relationship. And so, I mean, we had some really hard times during college. Because of miscommunication, like there there were a lot of things that were misunderstood or miscommunicated and that caused, you know, disagreements or it caused a lot of hurt feelings. And um, I don't know, I guess like in a way that that forced us to have better communication in general, like if we wanted it to work, we had to have better communication. We had to start asking each other, is this what you meant when you said this or it hurt my feelings when you said this, or I feel like you didn't understand me (laughs) when I was talking about this, or you don't seem to care that this was really important to me. And it's not that important to you. You know, like we were forced to have difficult conversations that, you know, in your late teens, early twenties, that that's not, That's not the norm. Like, that's not... Right, right. Usually it's, let's make drama. I mean, not on purpose, but, you know. Right, right, of course. Angsty teens and early and young adults are stupid. Like, let's just be honest. (laughs) Like, when you are 19, 20, 21, you are not as smart as you think you are. You think you know everything. You don't know anything. (laughs) Yeah. So we were forced to to basically agree and make that promise to each other that, okay, we'll, we'll have better communication. Otherwise this isn't going to work. And yeah, that's interesting. So, okay. So I never thought about that before, but thanks for bringing that up. That's a really great question.
1: Well, I think it's, I think it's interesting because it's almost in some ways, like the nature, I mean, this whole other conversation, but the nature versus nurture question, right? Mm, Did you and Lance mm-hmm. learn to communicate so well together because you got together so young? Or do you and Lance have the type of personalities that that just communicate well?
0: Yeah. No, I, I think I think it's a combination of both because um, and you know this about me, Renee, but I for the longest time, I was a people pleaser. I did not like confrontation. I tried so hard to avoid it. Like difficult conversations were something that made me throw up and, you know, they would spiral me into, uh, anxiety. So I just avoided things. That was, that was my MO avoidance, avoidance and bottling. Yeah. So for a really long time being a people pleaser, I was like, no, I don't want, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to make anyone mad. I don't want to upset anyone. So I'm just not going to say anything. And, um, yeah, like getting out of that was, I mean, that's been a journey all on its own, but I think, I think having, um, having that long distance relationship with Lance while we were in college, I think that really helped, um, with that personal development of, okay, sometimes you have to have these difficult conversations. Like it's necessary. And it's, and then that, that turned into the thought of, okay, it's not sometimes it's like, it's necessary. Like you have to have difficult conversations, no matter how uncomfortable it makes you, it's kinder to yourself and to the other person to have these difficult conversations um, even if they're not going to be happy with you because what it comes down to is you cannot control the reaction that somebody else has. Like that's completely out of your control.
1: Yeah. So I agree. remembering
0: that was um, was pivotal in, okay, we're going to have this conversation Um, this is like, I can control the way that I approach it and the way that I say it, but I cannot, I have absolutely zero control over how you're going to respond to it. And I have to be okay with that. Yeah. That's, there you go. Okay. Okay.
1: So (laughs) back to California, back to the, um, the, I keep calling it a conference and you keep calling it. Yeah. yeah. uh, It's a conference uh,
0: retreat. It's the same retreat. You
1: keep calling it a Mm -hmm. retreat. I keep calling it a conference. Okay. So one of your big takeaways was refining who your client is, your ideal mm-hmm. client. Yep. And what is another takeaway?
0: Um, taking action. Like just do it. Because yeah. once you have an idea, you can sit on it and you can hem and haw and think about it all you want. But if you do not take action, nothing's going to happen. So that was the second biggest takeaway was... Just take action, even if it's messy, even if it's not perfect, even if you're unsure, like, I don't know if this is going to work, but you know what? If you don't try, you're not going to know if it's going to work or not. So just do it. And then we live in such an incredible time technologically that, you know, if you think about it in the terms of social media posts, right? Um, trying something and it not working. Everything happens so fast. Like nobody's going to remember it. You're the only one that will remember what did and didn't work. All other people see is that you are putting things out there and you are changing things. You are tweaking, you're trying something different. You're, you know, going all in, in one direction, whatever it may be. That's what they see. They don't see the many failures (laughs) that go on behind the scenes. And that's the other thing, like failing fast is failing forward. So changing the definition of failure from this means that I don't have what it takes. This means that I don't really, I don't know. I don't have enough knowledge changing that definition of failure to, well, this just means this doesn't work. And then we're going to try something else. Like, reframing that thought of failure into something that you should be trying to achieve. Like we should be all failing constantly because that's the yeah. only way we can get better. You know, like you, you, you use the analogy of like a baby, right. Or even, yeah. or a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> because, and the only reason I say that is because we have a new puppy. <laughs> yes. So um, like with a baby, they are learning, constantly what they can and cannot do, you know, like when they're learning how to walk, you, you, there's no thought in a baby's mind of, oh, well, this isn't working. So I'm just not going to do it anymore. (laughs) Right. They're, they're going to keep trying. They're going to keep failing forward. Like, okay, well maybe, maybe like taking too many steps or taking steps too quickly isn't working, maybe I should slow it down, you know, like, and these are just, these are very fast thoughts that are going through their heads. They're not even conscious thoughts. They're not even conscious thoughts, exactly. So we should be thinking about it from the standpoint of nobody tells a baby, oh, well, then you failed because you weren't able to take a couple of steps the first time. Like, we Mm -hmm. constantly encourage babies to keep trying. So when did that stop? Like, when did that stop in our brains? Cause now it's like you try something twice and it doesn't work. And then you're just like, Oh, well then this isn't for me. That, that never occurred you know, in
1: teaching I think babies. About this. I think about this a lot because I think about, you know, there's people, there's a lot of people that don't try, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of people that think about trying And to them, that even feels like trying. And then there's people that just don't try to do um, anything Mm -hmm. for themselves because they just don't see the point. They like, you know, entrepreneurship or having a business or starting a blog or that's all for someone else who has some magic. Right.
0: Right. Um,
1: And they don't. Why not you? Right. Exactly. And they don't think about trying and they get very comfortable because being comfortable is the enemy of progress, right? Because mm-hmm. they're very comfortable with where their life is at, or they're very comfortable thinking it's, I think the biggest thing is they're very comfortable thinking it's for someone else. Right. Because they are missing something.
0: Right, and it, right.
1: And that makes me think about, you know, this was not my first food blog. I've started a couple of others that uh, felt miserably because they were dumb you know, Mm -hmm. but, um, or just too niche even. Mm -hmm. Like I had this blog for a while called experience mac and cheese and it was just a blog about nothing but mac and cheese.
0: That sounds amazing by the way. Yeah, yeah,
1: (laughs) I know. Right. It does. But it turns out there's only so much you can say about mac and cheese. That's Um, true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I I tested this. I now know. Um, it was a miserable failure and that was about five years before I started cooking too. And, Mm -hmm. um, It was a miserable failure, but it didn't make me stop. It just made me go, oh, well, that's, that was, that was, here are all the things that were wrong with that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And and then you were able to
0: take that experience and then make something better out of it.
1: Absolutely. And so now I've started a second food blog that I have not seen anything ever grow as quickly as this next one is. It's unbelievable. You and I haven't even talked
0: about it. Um, no, we haven't. Now I'm yeah. all intrigued. <laughs>
1: yeah. But um, it's just failure is part of success. And it's a painful part. That's why success is painful. Because mm-hmm. you have to fail so often. Um, like, okay, do you know who the Chewbacca lady is? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Honestly, like, yeah, with right. the mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that was an accident. You know, it was, yes. And that didn't mean that, oh, hey, now I'm going to be the Chewbacca lady for the rest of my life. There, but those are the kind of people that get in front of us. And we think, you know, she must have done, she didn't do anything. It was <laughs> just a, it was a, it was just a thing that happened. You know, one of those mm-hmm. like one hit wonder type situations. Right. Right. Um. Success is about constantly trying. And I think it's about being curious and mm-hmm. trying. Curious yep. and trying and failing constantly. Um, and, and it learning. takes a certain, yes, but it takes a certain amount of um, fortitude for that. And I don't know, just some of the things you're saying just make me realize that a lot of people are too afraid to try. Right. And I understand. I'm not judging you if that's who you oh, are. Oh, no, if you're listening no. To this, yeah. gir- girl, boy, they. Um, (laughs) I get it. It it is it's horrible, and I don't even recommend it.
0: Yeah. Well, we even said like wasn't I think it was like the first episode where you were like entrepreneurship sucks. Like it yeah, it sucks. I don't even know why I do it. This is terrible.
1: (laughs) Yeah, everything about it is just truly terrible. Um, and then sometimes you have something awesome. Yes. Yeah. And it's those
0: moments that make everything worth it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anything else about the conference you want to share? Um, I mean, you know, I had so many, like, little – I had so many specific takeaways in terms uh-huh. of how to change things in my business, too. So, um, I, I mean, that do, – do I bullet point list it? Like, how, how does that work? Like, for sure. example, your- um, the, so the person – one of the speakers, her name is uh, Paige Brown. She talks about emotional intelligence and I never really – first of all, I didn't know what – like I understand what emotional intelligence is or I had Mm -hmm. like my own definition of it. But I was like, okay, but how does that apply to like your business, your company? And so one of the things that she really – brought to light was the fact that emotional intelligence is so important in company culture because that is what determines whether or not your team is happy and it it determines whether or not you even understand if your team is happy or not because we get so caught up in the the whole you know culture of, Oh, everybody here is family. Well, is everyone actually family? You can hear my dog barking now. Um, like, is everyone here actually family? And then you, you look at it from the standpoint of, or are you just saying that so that you can get more work out of me without having to pay me more? You know, like, are you using like guilt tactics to make me feel like, Oh, well, would you like would you treat your family this way no of course you'd go above and beyond for your family members for the most part right like if you have a right. good relationship with your family members then you go above and beyond and so now companies are using that um relationship as an excuse to overwork and not compensate team members appropriately mm-hmm. so with emotional intelligence it is about learning how to keep a pulse on each individual person and treating them like people as opposed to just you are a workhorse in this cog, right? And so um, bringing the importance of management or leadership, like the leadership team, understanding how to recognize that, understanding how to approach situations and have those conversations. Mm -hmm. Like basically it's all HR related, right? But nobody's ever – or at least for me, nobody has ever approached the, um, the whole concept as emotional intelligence. To me, it was like, oh, this is just corporate ha- or company happiness. Like, do you, do you know who your team members are? Do you have like an actual uh, genuine relationship with them? Or are you just here for a paycheck? And all of that is valid. Some people in the leadership team... They're, they're going to care very deeply about each person. Some people in the leadership team are just there to collect a paycheck. One is not better than the other. Obviously, you would prefer if people cared about their team members, but at the same time, you can get into that gray area of, now you're too involved in the personal lives of the people that you work with, and it becomes inefficient. You know, right. like right. now you've crossed that line into, well, I'm going to let things slide because I know Johnny over here is experiencing, you know, this drama with his wife and kids and he's under a lot of pressure. And now you're letting things slip. You're, you're allowing that to happen. But, you know, uh, but Jenny over here has the same situation, but you don't have the same kind of relationship with Jenny. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. Jenny can't get away with the same stuff that Johnny is getting away with. And now there's favoritism or the appearance of favoritism. Like it's, it's finding that balance. So learning about emotional intelligence and how you as the owner of the company or the leader of the company should not be the one, um, taking care of, the emotional intelligence of your team. Like that should be a designated person, whether it is HR related or you bring in a contractor like Paige to deal with um like training of emotional intelligence and keeping a pulse on that kind of stuff. Like that was something that to me I was like, oh, that's just something that big corporations do, right? Like people or right. companies have over 50 employees, but It's still so important in small businesses, too. So even if you have a team of five people, it's still so important to understand those concepts and understand how to approach it, the conversations you can have around it, um, where the boundaries are, things like that. So emotional intelligence is super, super important. Um, I would highly recommend if that's something that interests you, go check out Paige Brown. Shout out, Paige. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, an, another speaker, um his name was Atiba. Oh my gosh, Atiba is like when it Atiba? comes to AI, Atiba, A T I B A. Okay. When it comes to um AI, like using technology, AI technology in your business, in your mm-hmm. marketing, um I mean, he blew my mind. He shared this prompt with us which I've been using for every single client that we work with, and we use it for ourselves too, but it's a two-page prompt that oh. um, re- really nails down your um, your ideal client avatar, so your ideal customer avatar. Um, and there's there's one section. There's only like I think it's like five questions that you need to answer that's specific to your business, your industry. Uh-huh. Um, but the two-page prompt breaks it all out into like um based on your response, it gives you like um psychographic information. So it, it really gets down to the nitty-gritty. Like your ideal customer is between the age of this and this. Their um their industry they work in this industry. These are their hopes and dreams. These are the things that keep them up at night. These are their, their secret desires, you know, like it really breaks it all down. So it gives you an amazing starting off point for content. So now you have very specific information about your ideal, um, customer that you All you did was answer five questions, put it into a a tool like ChatGPT, like into an AI tool, and then it spits out all this information for you. And then from there, you can say, uh, based on the hopes and dreams of this ideal customer avatar, um, give me five blog topics that addresses the hopes and dreams. And then it'll give you the topics. And then you can say, um, I really like blog topic number two write or give me an outline of this blog. And then it does the, you know, gives you an outline Mm -hmm. of the blog. And then, and then from there you can say, based on this outline, write me a 1500 word um, post Mm -hmm. about this topic. Yeah. Wow. And so, yeah. So just amazing. Amazing. He's such a genius when it comes to, yeah. Utilizing the AI tools in a way that, it actually gives you quality content. Like it gives you quality information Mm -hmm. to build Mm -hmm. from. And that's one of the things that Atiba was really like focusing on too. He was saying, these are not tools intended to replace people. These are exactly what they are. They're tools. They're tools to be used by people and It's not a lazy way out. Like you can tell immediately who has used chat GPT or whatever AI prompt, Mm -hmm. prompter um, for all of their content versus somebody who has used it as their inspiration. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean like his, his stuff just blew my mind too. Like that one prompt that he shared. Yeah. I was able to build so much from it and I'll share it with you, Renee. Please maybe do. maybe we'll share it with everybody else here. Like maybe. we can put a link a great, to the yeah. prompt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's and great. Yeah. So that was another um and then one of the other speakers was talking about branding um and how essentially like you have a brand, like your brand voice is not what you think it is. Interesting. <laughs> so so basically changing the approach of um your your brand voice and brand identity, it's basically like it's up, it's an entity. It is it is something that um, you know, like when you think of Tesla, or not even Tesla, I'm sorry. If you think oh, oh, what happened? That was my puppy. She got she got swatted by the cat. Oh no. That sounded so bad. I know she's okay. She she okay. just got scared. That's all. Yeah, okay. she's okay. Um, but like when you think of an electric vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. What are you What are you thinking of when you think electric vehicle? Oh, Tesla. Tesla.
1: Yeah. Right. A hundred percent Tesla. Yeah.
0: Even though all the other car manufacturers also produce electric vehicles and they have yeah. produced electric vehicles and electric vehicle hybrids since before Tesla, but Tesla's brand voice and their brand image is so strong. Like that's what you know them for. You know, right. Tesla is the electric vehicle. Yeah. It may not be the best electric vehicle, but you know, immediately Evie Tesla. That's, that's right. That's what it is. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so basically they were talking about like how you can build your brand into as soon as somebody thinks of a concept, your, your company is the first one that pops into mind. So like structuring um, structuring your brand voice to become that. Like yeah, to-
1: that's really interesting because that's something that I've been thinking a lot about and I have zero idea how to do that.
0: Oh, okay. Zero. So you need you need to follow Bijal B I G A L Patel. Um, okay, she talks about brand voice and branding, and just like basically how to become the Tesla of your industry. She's a powerhouse. So Bijal was also she. So I'd never met her before. She's apparently from Houston, um, which you know Houston's a big city. So. Uh, it, it's not unheard of to not know anybody else that lives in Houston. Um, okay. But like after, after um, my Q and a session, she, she had come up to me and she grabbed me by the shoulders. Like it was super intense. Cause this was like the first conversation that I had with this woman. Right. She uh-huh. grabbed me by the shoulders and she's looking me in the eye and she was like, Naja, I hope, you know, how much of a fucking badass you are and I was like oh okay yeah thanks (laughs) I don't know how to accept this but like you know she it was so intense but also she like she made me believe like her doing that I was like yeah I am a badass like what just happened (laughs) well first of all you are a badass that is oh thanks
1: no it's true but um that's okay so how did that help you
0: oh like i said it helped me by taking action because having somebody believe like a complete stranger have that strong of a belief in me like Mm -hmm. during our first interaction ever and it wasn't even like a one-on-one conversation. It was a, she was just hearing me answering questions and then she came up to me afterwards and then said that to me. Like that, I don't know, it, it changed something in me um, to where, yeah, now I just, I've just i just been taking action when I have an idea, I've just been kind of running with it and being like, well, yeah. what can I do immediately to at least implement this or start a conversation around it or whatever. So, but whereas before I'd be like, oh, well, let me ask like one or two people that I know would like actually respond to me and mm-hmm. and then I can have a more um I, I can have a more exact response or I my expectations are already set um basically like let me find my yes men and ask them the questions right so but but for some reason, like her having that belief in me, I, I'm like, you know what? It's just a question. Whoever yeah. responds will respond. The people that don't respond, they're not going to respond. Once again, something that is completely out of my control. I mm-hmm. have no control over who decides to continue a conversation with me about whatever it is I'm asking about. But, you know, the people that say yes, those are the people I want to talk to anyway. Right. Proud but I you. forgot what the original question was.
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know. actually, I was just curious. did you do you feel like you're I guess I'm curious. Do you feel like you are enhancing stepping up or changing your branding?
0: Absolutely. yes. okay. I, I feel like because of because of that new approach, like a new way of thinking about branding, and then once again, just the fact that a complete stranger, felt the need to tell me how much belief they had in me and what I do, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, um, it was kind of like the, it ignited something is what had happened. So that's awesome. So yeah. um, The past month has been a lot of action taking, like granted, a lot of it has been conversations, but Mm -hmm. um, you know, so many opportunities have opened up from those conversations that I would never have expected. Like um, just to quickly go over them, you know, like we're, we're alpha testing um, a product with a SAS company that has developed technologies with DARPA, like where that, that's, that's not something I ever expected to be a part of. Um, another conversation that opened up was I, um, you know, I, I met somebody who, is a federal agent. And, um, we kind of talked about like what my company does and what we offer and things like that. And she was telling me, you know, that is missing from federal agencies. Have you ever considered working with like contracting with federal agencies about your operational management, like your, your systems automations? And I Uh was like, no, because that feels Like you say that she said it and I was like, no, that's like, that's way too advanced. That's way too like above my pay grade and working with federal government, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, no, there are grants out there. By the way, if you are a technology company or you are dabbling in um, technology that could help, um, you know, government agencies, uh, you need to look into this because she said there are grants out there for Companies that do research and development for technologies that can be used for um, federal agencies or government entities. So wow. there is money out there for companies that are willing to invest in the research and development that they don't have time to do. Interesting. So keep that in mind.
1: But that once again, that was
0: yeah. that was a conversation that I never expected to have. Or, or even like consider going down that avenue, but you know, I'm like, well, hey, there's an opportunity there. I don't know where that door leads. I don't know where that's going. I don't know what mm-hmm. that could become. But you know, why not look into it? Like, why not expand on that conversation? Um, and yeah, so uh, I had another conversation with a, you know, with with another company um, that they focus on. The children's healthcare. So, um, it's a children's hospital, um, uh, based in Kenya. And oh, one of the things like we, we had a, um, we had a power hour session and something that she had said, um, and I'm so glad it was recorded too, because thank you so much, Isa, for having this kind of response to, she had said she has spent thousands of dollars on contractors that, um, that promised like operational systems and automations and things like that. And just in our hour-long conversation, I had given her so much more information and actionable items than yeah. the thousands of dollars she had spent with all these different companies. So I was like, that makes me feel good knowing that. And I'm know, not surprised at all. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you guys like just give me too much credit. <laughs> No, and I appreciate it. it. I accept it. Thank you. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, you've earned all of that credit. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, I, I, like I said, these are conversations that I never expected to have, but um, the doors have just been opening because mm-hmm. I had the conversation to begin with. So, yeah. Um, just that—that's just what communication can do. And once again, these were. These were not conversations where I went into it thinking, how can I make you work for me or with me? Or how can I turn you into a client? These were just genuine, like, that is so interesting what you do. Please tell me more. And then conversation came from that. So, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Just to tie it all together.
1: Yeah. No, that's, that's really great. Well, we could talk all day. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. Without question. We have. <laughs> we have yeah. done that before. Yeah. We should sure um, have. Yeah. But we should probably wrap it up for this conversation unless you have anything else about the California.
0: I mean, I'm sure it'll be brought up in um, future conversations, you know, the oh, things sure. things that come up or bubble up whenever we talk about other topics, but um, like in a nutshell, yeah, that's that, those are the biggest things. So just, um, for everybody else, like your takeaways from my takeaways are yeah. communicate, like just start conversations. Conversations are a key to everything, like everything, personal, business, relationships with your kids, with your family member. Like it's, it's all about conversations and not mm-hmm. being afraid to have conversations. So that is Takeaway, big takeaway number one. And then big takeaway number two is just take action. Like don't sit on things, just do it. Even the smallest step can lead to like the biggest leap. So just do it. The worst that can happen <laughs> is nothing happens from it. But now you know, you've done it, nothing happened, but you you know, and then you can move forward. You won't be sitting there thinking about, Well, what would have happened if I did or did not do this?
1: Right. And sometimes the biggest knowledge is the fact that nothing happened.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So just do it. Because
1: then even if nothing else, you have peace of mind. You're like, I didn't think
0: this would work. And it didn't. And it didn't. And now I know. And I can move forward. I can move on and do something else. Yes. Yeah, totally. Sometimes
1: I think there's no way this is going to have any impact. And it does. And I'm like, really? Yeah, don't know why, and then that's the exactly. worst part. By the way, is you're like I don't know why this works, so then let's try it again. So, yep.
0: yep. it yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I feel like yeah. I totally hijacked this like entire episode. So I'm sorry, guys <sighs> you had no. you had a lot of you had a lot of my voice in your ears today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, this was really good. I, I I think it was great. I think it was a great conversation.
0: Um, oh,
1: so glad. So no, that's the whole point. We want to hear what Yay. you have
0: to say. Well, I want to hear what you have to say, too.
1: <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. I'll tell you something that I want to talk about um, as a teaser next time. Is the uh, this week, um, Tuesday night. There are very, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm going to save it for next time. But there are only a couple of blogging, true blogging emergencies. And sometimes you don't know to tell people to not do things or you are not clear enough in your communication
0: uh-huh. and so the other night
1: i came downstairs and andy was on her computer and i was crawling in the bed literally laying down and she told me something and i can't run as we well as you will know they probably mm-hmm. don't know that but you know that and i leaped out of bed hollering out oh my god and was running up the stairs to fix this problem.
0: Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, yeah, that is that is a cliffhanger if ever there was one. That's right. So, um,
1: I haven't moved that fast in years.
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. I can't wait to hear about this. So, tune yeah. in next time so that's that right. we can all learn about this in- exciting incident yeah. that probably and terrified just... you. Oh, it
1: did. <laughs> It was so serious that it could have destroyed my entire business.
0: <gasps> no. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: So I will save it. I'm not even going to tell you. I'll save oh, my it.
0: gosh. I need to know. Okay. Yeah. See, I'll, so I'll stay learn tuned. at the same time as everybody else.
1: Because yeah. <laughs> if you want to know important things to not do in blogging, this will be it.
0: Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah. Bye.
1: The best man in all the world. The best man in all the world. The best man in all the world.